This is Mom Squad Pod, your weekly update on tips, tricks, and all things parenting with Maureen Kyle. I think, you know, the concept of getting out and doing things, you, we have to do that for them and for us, for our brain health. But yeah, but then they're being dragged around to, you know, to be too much, kind of like what happened pre-pandemic. You know, some of my patients, like they weren't able to get into bed till 10 or 11 at night because they had so many activities. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mom Squad Pod, the podcast where we talk everything parenting with the area's leading experts. And we've made it to the summer months and not just any summer. This is the summer after a year of lockdown where our kids weren't able to join in on the activities that they were used to. So if you're like me, you and some of my friends, you have signed your kids up for everything you possibly could because they missed out on it last year. But at what point is it overwhelming? And at what point is a structured summer beneficial to our kids? So here to help us out with that is Dr. Carolyn Landis, a clinical psychologist with the uh, with University Hospital's Rainbow Babies. Dr. Landis, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really happy to be here. So just right off the bat, I mean, Usually summers, it, as a kid for me, it was a free-for-all. We just ran around outside. We went swimming whenever we felt like it. And now I feel like a generation later, we've gotten into these, you know, summer camps, travel teams. Um, you know, they recommend making sure your kids don't lose out on their learning from over the school year. And so I know as a parent, I have time where I've dedicated to reading or math workbooks or whatever. What benefit does it have to be structured and should we be structured? And I'm so thrilled that you invited me today. And I feel like I would have given a different answer two summers ago. Um, it really, it's very different, as you said in your intro. Right. And, you know, I am a behavioral sleep medicine expert. So I want to talk about it in terms of schedule and sleep too. Yeah. So I think the answer is, kind of in the middle. So some structure is required for our bodies to do well in terms of our circadian rhythms. I mean, we all know we have who have teens or young adults that sometimes people won't, you know, eat breakfast till noon, and then maybe you eat lunch at three or which would be okay if you did at the same time every day, you know, but with little ones, it is good to get up about the same time every day and kind of start your day. But I just want to say a caveat. I do have some parents that kind of want to keep their kid almost on their school schedule. Huh. And if you have little early birds, then go for it. Then that's totally fine. If you can stand it, do it. But if you have kids with a later circadian rhythm, start your day later. If they like to sleep in until eight, if that's to you late, then that's okay. So I really want, when we're talking about this, that this is not boot camp. This is summer, you know, with kids and you can shift their schedule a little bit. So let's just start thinking about that in terms of flexibilities in the morning a little bit. I was going to say, I mean, I think of my kids, they've only been out of school for you know, a few of them, two of my girls was probably about two weeks now. My other, my oldest, maybe about a week. And they've just been lazily being in their pajamas, you know, eating cereal for an hour. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of a soft launch to our days. And I've noticed with my two, almost three-year-old, a little bit of crabbiness when we start to get 
to the uh, activities part of the morning. <laughs> Does that make sense? I mean, I, I kind of, you know, when I tell her like, okay, let's get dressed and let's get outside. <laughs> there's, there's a little meltdown that's happening. And I don't know if it's because we are, we're off schedule or we're changing schedules, but do right. younger kids have a hard time adjusting to a complete change in their day? I think that's true. And, you know, I love your concept of a soft launch. And my caveat would be as long as they're launching outside of bed, I'm good with it because we don't want to have a launch where you're laying lazily in bed, kind of scrolling through your social media or something, you know, when you're an older, you know, kid. So, yeah, but in terms of little ones, yes, I mean, it takes time to kind of change. And they've had so many changes over the last year that I feel like we all are a little bit on edge with change, almost like a little sunburned with change. So to know that, but I just want to laze around, I'm kind of stressed. We're all under a little bit of more stress than usual. And so to kind of have to get dressed and do these things that require a little more effort can make you a little crabby. So that's cute, but the little ones are experiencing that. <laughs> I was going to say, is there an age range where, um, where structure works better and then um, maybe the free-for-all concept works better for, for that age range. I'm glad you said that too, because I think developmentally, you need to pay attention to it, but what's really important is the individual. Every single kid is different. I remember when my little three-year-old, and you know, he's in college now, he didn't, I didn't, he wasn't yet potty trained when it came time for three-year-old preschool. And I gave him the choice. I was like, do you want to go to preschool? You have to be potty trained or not. You can ask even little bitty kids, three-year-olds, what do you want to do? Do you want to, do? I mean, it's not that they are totally dictating it, but you want to know what their opinion is. And he decided he wanted to go and boom, he got potty trained and he went to preschool. So, but if you want, like, do you want, when in the day would you like to do activities? Would you like to go to a camp or would you like something where we do different things? I mean, ask the kids because everybody is so different. Yeah. I have multiple kids at home, which then, you know, you, you have different personalities then and different preferences to when they have their, um, what do I want to say? Like their sparkle hours where they're better in the morning or one's better in the afternoon or one's better right after lunch. Um, how do we go with the flow when it comes to multiple kids in a family and then doing all these activities? And especially because sometimes the, the schedule is not dictated by mom and dad as much as it, is, as it is these activities that we signed them up for. I mean, I, I can only sign up for a 5 p.m. gymnastics class because they don't offer it at 10 a.m. Right. So, you know, I think it's important for everybody to get out and do things and be cognitively stimulated. And I think there's so many stories about sleep on my newsfeed. And I think it's because, and kids too, they weren't really seeing anything but their home. Like they were barely seeing anything else. So I think, you know, the concept of getting out and doing things, you, we have to do that for them and for us, for our brain health. But yeah, but then they're being dragged around to, you know, to be too much, kind of like what happened pre-pandemic. You know, some of my patients, like they weren't able to get into bed till 10 or 11 at night because they had so many activities. Mm -hmm. So I think as a family, especially if you have multiple kids, like in your situation, you really do have to decide what's most important for every kid and decide are there other things what a kid can do rather than be dragged along. Can one kid be dropped off for a play date? 
you know, they hate sitting around in the waiting room at the dance practice or whatever. I mean, what else, or can you bring, what fun things can you bring? I mean, it really requires a lot of creativity and a lot of working together and kind of give and take, which is so good for your kids, but is not easy when kids are more egocentric, right? Right, you bring up a great point. Before we get into being overwhelmed with the schedule, I wanna go back to the benefits of structure and, um, you know, as a parent, I've definitely been trying to do the color-coded calendar to keep myself on, on um, a schedule. But then also, I've been sitting down with my kids and saying, what activities do you want to do this week? Okay, let's schedule that for uh, Wednesday afternoon so that they know what to expect. Is there right. a benefit for kids to be... Um, to know that, okay, lunch is coming up at noon and then I'm going to go to the zoo and then we do reading time and having that routine every day. Is that a benefit um, for them and behaviorally, I guess? Again, you know, part of it is what their temperament is like and what their personality is like. But I think for all of us, it's good to have some of those anchors that you're talking about. But it's also good to have some of those free form days or afternoons or mornings. I mean, it would be really depressing if we never had, you know, a single day where we could kind of do what we want to do. I really, you know, if you had every day, every hour, you know, color block, then obviously that would be a problem. And I'm sure you don't have that. No. But, you know, but some people kind of aspire to that and they might beat themselves up if they're not doing enough. So I want parents and kids to give themselves a break and to listen to themselves. I mean, really kind of mindfully, like think to yourself, do I want to do more? Do I want to do less? Kind of what's feeding me as a person? Because I feel too much. A lot of my patients are just beating themselves up all the time. And their value is I want to please other people. I had a patient tell me that last week. That was one of her values. And I felt so sad about that. And in terms of like, I have to do these things or I have to be good at these things because other people want me to do that. So instead, I want kids, this is a time in the summer to explore new things, new activities, you know, and figure out what feeds you, what gives you joy, what do you want to learn more about. And I want kids to give themselves permission to be like, you know what, I need more downtime, or I really don't like this, or I want more of that, like to really communicate that and not be judged for that. Yeah, I've uh, the tug of war, I think, between the advice that I see as a parent is, you know, the, the, the non-structured time teaches independence. And, but then the structured time um, and expectations, you know, of, of achieving, it teaches achieving goals. You know, like if I tell them, okay, this is the time where we're gonna read a book or this is our chores time, you have to complete those chores. Then they know they have a task, they have to, um, complete it. So it's working toward a goal. Is that a fine balancing act of making sure that we have both? Um, is there one that we should outweigh as more beneficial than others? I think that whole concept of giving independence, and this is negotiable, like today or in this period of time, you have, you know, you are responsible for taking out the trash, or you're responsible for emptying the dishwasher. And fine, I don't care if you do it anytime today or I need them before we have guests come over. I mean, that's real life. That's real life skills, but you're not dictating exactly when. That's when I see increases in parent-child conflict, 
when the parent is a little bit too hovering, a little bit too like dictated according to their, like their aesthetic and they're like, I don't put anything off. So you can't too. I was kind of talking to my son the other day. I actually hate the word procrastinate. I think that is a word that we use to beat ourselves up with. I personally don't beat myself up with that. I, I choose not to, but a lot of kids and adults beat themselves up. Oh, I'm procrastinating again. Oh, I put that off. And I tell my son, it's like, you chose not to do it. You weren't mm -hmm. in the mood to do it. It wasn't due yet. You put it off because you didn't have the impetus to do it. Like kids need to learn that. And they still, you still get it done. You got it done. <laughs> and like all of us, I said, all of us put things off. And it's like, it's kind of easier to do something. Like if you have guests coming, I'm great the hours before they come. I'm cleaning and doing dishes. It's easy but eight hours earlier or two days earlier, it's like hard. So I think we're teaching kids those skills because if it's totally dictated by the parent, they're not learning that and they're just beating themselves up with that procrastination word. That's really interesting. So th that really yeah. kind of teaches them what you're saying is, is kind of time management on their own personality and timetable. Right. And um, any other advice on making sure that they stay in line without hovering though, because sometimes I feel like as the mom, and again, mine are young, you know, I'm saying, Hey, I asked you to clean up your toys, or I told you, you need to get these chores done. You know, and I, I don't want them to feel an icky feeling when I'm telling them you need to get these done. Cause I don't want them to think of chores as punishment. But then again, you know, I, I, I want them to actually do what they've been asked to teach them responsibility. So where do we, where do we get that balance? I know. I think it's like that really hard balance between permissive parenting and lots of kids. I mean, we've looked at, you know, the data don't even have chores anymore. I mean, it's mm -hmm. rare, more rare to have chores versus authoritarian where you're yelling at kids and shaming them like you're lazy, da, da, da. And then there's authoritative, which is firm control, but with warmth. And we as a family are working together. And I personally, as a parent who now has a 19 and a 21 year old, still do things like as a family, it works best when we're all doing things together. If we're all cleaning up the house together. It's not just me saying, you do this, you do that. It's like, okay, I'm working on this. Why don't you do that? You know, and then it's not like you're my servant or you know, you're someone who I dictate what you do and I'm ordering you around. It's like we as a family, we're taking care of our home because we want to be healthy, we want to be proud of our home, we want to be comfortable. So it's coming from that, it's not coming from I'm ordering you around to do things. And that's I think it's hard. Yeah. That's kind of a hard balance, right? It is, it definitely is. And, and this is the part where I would like to get into that sense of being overwhelmed, especially if we're kids. It's funny. I, I know I'm not alone on this because it seems like everybody that I've talked to, um, parent, fellow parents this year said that they just, every time a, a camp opened up or swim team or, you know, this sport, summer sport, even if it's a rec league, they signed their kids up for everything out of fear that they would get shut out because there's limited number of availability, you know, limited number of spots, um, kids who were competitive in sports, miss, maybe missed out on some practices or games last year because things were canceled or things were 
changed a little bit differently. But for the most part, everybody I'm talking to is saying they've overwhelmed their own schedule and they're going to try and make it work because, you know, they want their kids to get back into these activities for whatever reason. But at what point do you think too much uh, is scheduled for our kids? What kind of signs do they show that that this these are just too many activities or their day is just too jam packed? Yeah, and I think that's a really, you know, some kids ask for all of that and some kids want all of that, but it might be stressing out the parent or the family. So there might be a time where you might have to say, you know what, this is too much for our family. You know, people are becoming irritable. They're like, you know, kind of bounding off at each other a little bit more, getting in a little more conflict. Sometimes kids will have trouble sleeping. They'll have nightmares. They'll have, you know, different signs, stomach aches, headaches. I mean, if you're pushing it to the point of starting to have these sorts of symptoms, then you have to kind of stand back and be like, whoa, like our family, yeah, we were kind of bored and lethargic feeling. <laughs> but now we are like on this crazy treadmill and we can't get off of it. And we can't keep up. And, you know, then school will start again and you didn't even feel like you rested or, you know, had a break. Yeah. So I feel like people have to be careful. And again, it's all about like what matters the most for your child and for what reason are they doing that? Maybe the activity is just for socialization because they actually like the activity and that's okay. But if it's too much to drag everyone else to that, maybe then they could just, you know, do something else or have some, you know, social contact with a friend or something like, why do they want that activity? Mm -hmm. And since you are a sleep expert and I have you with me right now. It's, it's interesting. Right. Now I'm wondering last week when schools started to get out and kids were starting to be at home a lot more, um, everybody, it seemed like you're at work and we have weird sleep schedules anyway, but, um, everybody I talked to was like, yeah, I had, I had insomnia this past week. And there was a week where I just had so much trouble sleeping, but I was starting that change in schedule and that summer, you know, trying to, and almost entertain my kids. Not that I am that type of mother, but I was trying to make sure, okay, are we doing stuff? They're not just sitting around and I'm ignoring them. I'm trying to make sure that they have activities to do before the summer camp start. Does the overwhelming, the go, 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 go. Does it trickle down to parents not being able to sleep? Is that our insomnia sometimes? Yeah. You know, and as I said, I, I can't, believe how many stories I've, I've seen about insomnia. So as a sleep expert, there are some just clues and things to do to make sure that you don't get insomnia. Try to get up around the same time. Even you can shift it by maybe an hour or so, because if you get up at different times, you get what's called social jet lag. It's just like being, you know, jet lagged, going to your, you know, to another time zone. Um, so try to get up around the same time. Do not nap, which I find is so easy to do now. Yes. And think about caffeine. I mean, the other day I was out running errands and I had like a green tea smoothie and it was like, killed me. I think I was up till two and oh. that was a green tea smoothie. So if you drink caffeine, that actually eats up the sleep hormone adenosine and you might be able to fall asleep initially, but then you might wake up at two and be up and not be able to fall back to sleep. So think about alcohol disrupts sleep too. Even one glass of wine can disrupt your sleep hormones and disrupt sleep. And if you've been sedentary, I know some days when I'm just doing therapy at home, I might have 200 steps a whole day. 
Wow. Our bodies aren't meant to be that. I mean, I have to get out and walk around in my neighborhood or how can I sleep on 200 steps? Yeah. So, uh, and again, I'm not carrying my phone with me all day, but I'm sure it's not much more than that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would say get up at the same time. Don't nap. Be careful about caffeine and alcohol and move your body. And that will do a lot towards sleep. And don't try to sleep too long, mm-hmm. you know, especially with kids. I feel like that's Tell parents, I feel like parents, I'm telling you this, do not expect your child, if you put them to bed at eight and then they're sleeping until eight, then parents are like, why do they have trouble sleeping? And I'm like, they're 10 or eight, they can't sleep 12 hours. Like pay attention to the fact that they can sleep in more now, they need a later bedtime. Hmm. And that is probably the number one thing I tell every single parent is pay attention for the opportunity for sleep compared to the need for sleep. Huh, because they'll think it's insomnia, but it's really, right. you're just in bed for too long. You can't right. sleep that long. And, and, you know, this all falls in line with schedule, you know, the, the summer months there, the daylight is longer. So right. um, I feel like we pack our schedules to make sure that we're taking advantage. You know, I have the, the kids up a little bit later, we we're outside playing or, you know, they're running around with kids in the neighborhood. Um, but also you bring up the great point of food. And, you know, our kids are up later and I feel like the food structure gets thrown out the window sometimes too, because, uh, you know, we're responsible for all meals because they're not in school getting the hot lunch or whatever. And, and I don't know, maybe I'm too loose about it, but I'm like, yeah, I have a popsicle whenever you feel like (laughs) it, you know, it's summer, let's go walk for ice cream and and do you see kids getting out of that routine and that sort of healthy eating schedule because of the summer months? I do, I do. And at Rainbow, we do have a program for weight management called Pathways Toward Wellness, which I'm the psychologist on that as well. And I do see a lot of that kind of grazing, kind of the just indiscriminate eating, which I think, you know, we know that we as adults have done probably more too, because we're home a lot more. Um, So I think it is important to kind of have some sort of routine for meals because that does drive the circadian rhythm. There could be snacks. I don't think we should be too militant about that, but just to be mindful. And I really think, and this is my number one pet peeve. So I'm so thrilled that you brought it up. Don't have a bunch of junk in the home, particularly if you do have a child that might be at the top end of the, you know, weight chart that is struggling a little bit, you know, why would you have the crackers, the chips, the granola bars? And people always say, well, my other children need that. Well, do they? Is there something else that they like that that other child does not like? Mm -hmm. So just look at your home and rather than shaming a child for stealing or sneaking, which I don't even like that term. I'm like, it's in your home. How can you steal something that is in your kitchen, in your home, and you're setting your child up to then be shamed. So instead you shouldn't have it there. You shouldn't have things there. Obviously once in a while, if you're having a fancy dinner party, obviously a birthday cake, like, you know, it's not totally like eat whatever you want, you know? But I mean, it's like, I feel like it's too much. Like my child is stealing food. And then I ask them what they have. And it's like all these chips and granola bars and things like that. And as you said, I love that, that you can go out and get an ice cream. That's totally fine. You can do that. And then it's just one scoop of ice cream. You don't have to have gallons of ice cream in your house because we can now go out. That's another switch. Before we had to kind of hoard food. We had all this stuff because we couldn't get it easily, but now we don't have to. 
-hmm. we could go out and buy a cookie at insomnia cookies or wherever you know we could <laughs> yeah. go out and buy a soup of ice cream and that is healthier and i think it's fine depending upon your child's weight and things like that to eat a snack when people are hungry and they want a snack yeah i feel like that can be a whole other segment is just keeping kids on the healthy eating track during the summer months but overall I mean, now that we we've talked for almost half an hour now, what are your, any other final thoughts on just keeping a structure mm -hmm. and keeping that balance for both parents and kids as we go throughout the, the summer where we have the tendency, even with eating, it's so funny we brought up eating because I mean, I feel like everything's out the window in, in summer, True. especially at the beginning when you're so happy True. in summer, True. who cares, <laughs> Eat whatever you want, do whatever you want. But I mean, just overall, your thoughts on just making sure that we keep that schedule and that structure for the kids. Overall, I am very protective of relationships. I don't want to see a lot of conflict happening in families this summer. I want everyone to give each other grace and to pay attention to the different personalities and work together as a family, maybe have a family meeting and talk through some of these things and figure a way that you guys can all get together and enjoy your summer according to all your different temperaments and personalities and not feel like you have to be, not as a parent, be beating yourself up if your kid is lounging around some. So what? You know, so what? It doesn't matter. And you, the warmth you give your child and the fun activities, that's what they'll remember about the summer, you know, Very the true. warmth and the love. Yes, absolutely. That's, I mean, I think back to my childhood memories and it's like the, the fun things that we did that didn't involve a lot of planning of just, you know, going to the zoo or yeah. being just in my grandma's backyard. The neighborhood. Yeah, just right. walking around the neighborhood, like going with your grandpa out for a walk or something. Yeah. That's yeah. priceless, right? We are all so glad that we can finally get back to those times too. But now that um now that we're allowed to gather again and, and do these activities, it is you realize it is a luxury that we all have. So right. All right. Well, Dr. Carolyn Landis, thank you so much for all of your insight and helping guide us parents through the free-for-all type of summer that we've we've been just waiting for. I really appreciate all your advice. I'm thrilled and I wish everybody a wonderful summer. <laughs> and thanks to all of you for listening to the Mom Squad Pod. We'll see you right back here next time. Thanks for listening to Mom Squad Pod with Maureen Kyle from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.